Welcome to Worth It or Worthless, a show where every couple weeks we pull a game from my own personal collection of retro games, take off our nostalgia-tinted glasses, and decide, is the game good by today's standards, and is it worth the price of admission? We talk about what the game does well, what the game doesn't do so well, and the things that are just plain weird. I'm your host, Dan, joined as always by my friend Jordan. Jordan, what did we get into today? Today we played Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic on Xbox, PC, and iOS. And Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic is the story of Star Wars from an even longer time ago in a galaxy just as far away. Wow. Yeah, uh, I guess today is a a little bit of an inaccurate statement. Uh, We played this game for several days. Oh, man. (laughs) This is, uh, we've been kind of ramping it up over the last few episodes in terms of the length of the games we're playing, starting with Super Metroid and then Perfect Dark and now Knights of the Old Republic, which just blew pretty much everything away. We might have put more hours into this game than the rest of the games combined. (laughs) That's probably not true. I think my final save came in like around 27 hours. Wow. Good for you. My final save was just under, I want to say, 33 hours. Well, 27 is how many the game actually recorded. That doesn't count all the times I had to go back to an old save to get myself out of a terrible situation. So I would assume I was probably definitely above 30 hours total, but 27 on the actual in-game clock. Yeah, I uh, I also reloaded my saves a whole lot, and I would have spent way more than like 33 hours with this game if I wasn't trying to finish it to get this episode out on time. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, may or may not have been up till 2 a.m. last night uh, putting in hours into this game trying to finish it in time, and that is not normal for me. I do not usually no. stay up late. Yeah, you've uh, you've never played this game before. This is your first time through it. This was my first time through it, absolutely, yeah, and I had really no idea what to expect. I just knew that this is a game that everybody talks about. It's like one of the greatest mm-hmm. games of all time. It's always, you always see it like being ported to new platforms and going on sale and stuff, and so I've heard a lot about it, but this was my first time experiencing it. Yeah, and you, you had no idea what to expect? You just knew it was like a Star Wars RPG? I knew it was Star Wars and that there would be knights and it would take place <laughs> during the Old Republic. Uh, but no, as far as like the story goes, I had no clue and I was constantly being surprised by what was happening. So it was Mm. good. Yeah. Uh, so for anybody that doesn't know, this is a classic Bioware RPG, uh, obviously published by LucasArts. It released in 2003, uh, July of 2003 on the original Xbox in North America, uh, also on PC a little later and iOS much, much later. And the game takes place 4,000 years before episode one. 4,000 4, years? Yep. Oh, man. It's kind of weird that there's just some things in there that don't seem like they would have lasted 4,000 years, like the Republic wearing orange. Apparently, it's a color that stands the <laughs> test of time. <laughs> really? 4,000 oh, years and they're the still wearing weird. orange? What are you talking about, man? <laughs> like, they're, they had, like, the same... Like, uh, like the rebel starfighter outfits, like the re- the orange and white, and like all their ships were orange and white. Like, it, what what are the chances that that color scheme stays the same for four thousand years? Okay, I mean, I. <laughs> oh man, um, I'm glad we played this game. I'm glad we played this game too, and this is going to be interesting because when we first started this podcast, it was like Dan knows everything about video games and 
I don't know anything about video games. And I feel like we get to experience a little bit of that again with this one because mm-hmm. I am really not an experienced RPG player. I have never played mm-hmm. a game that was anything like this. This was completely brand new to me. So I feel very confused. And there are going to be things about this genre that are were confusing to me that maybe you thought were completely normal. So I'm interested to sort of have that dynamic back after a while of after me becoming such a gaming expert over the last two years. (laughs) Right. Uh, I think that can lead us into what the game does well. Uh, And one of the things that I have kind of on the comment that you just made, uh, the game is built on Dungeons and Dragons mechanics. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting. It kept talking about like dice rolls and D8s and D20s. And I was mm-hmm. like, whoa, what are we, is this a tabletop game? What are we doing here? Yeah. And the first time I played this game, it was probably, I don't know, 2006, maybe a long time ago. So much that I didn't even remember probably three quarters of the game. So I was like completely surprised. It was a whole new experience, even though I've played it before. And uh, I had no idea. I don't even think when the first time I played this game, I had a clue what Dungeons and Dragons even really was, like the rules of it or the mechanics. I think I had heard of it, but didn't know anything about it. And so now, you know, much, much later in my life, uh, I understand D&D a little bit better. And I'm like, oh, I appreciate this game a lot more. And I find it super fascinating um, what they were able to do with the D and D system and the way that things combine, like one of your uh, party members uh, gains more damage if an enemy is stunned. And so once you become a Jedi, you can stun enemies and you can like stack things in interesting ways. And like the party construction and just all of the, the classes and skills and feats and everything like that. Like that's one of the things that this game does really, really well is uh, the foundation of being built on Dungeons and Dragons. So I just heard you talk for like a minute and I don't have any clue what you're talking about. And I just spent 30 hours playing this game. So that is something that I have on my list of what I think this game does great (laughs) is that it is an RPG, but it's not like overly fussy and tedious. If you want to dig into the depth of all of that D&D stuff and the um, party alignment and making sure you get all your stats, you can definitely do that. Or you can play like me and completely ignore all of that and still have a good time, (laughs) Um, which I thought was great. It's like, I don't know what any of this means. I'm going to pick the gun that looks cool and does the most damage. Yeah. And also like the game does you a favor with an auto level up system. If you're like, I can't be bothered to like figure out what I want each person to do. You can literally just auto level up and it'll give you kind of the most ideal in their opinion, build for each character. See, that's sort of where I think I went wrong. Cause I totally ignored that. And I kept putting all my <laughs> stat points into things that sounded cool, but didn't really go together. Like I was like, I want everybody to do whatever I want them to do. So I put every single stat point into persuasion. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not, I'm not talking expense of everything else. Um, I'm not talking about the main character because I also did that with my main character. I'm more talking about the party members. Oh, yeah. Um, I pretty much always just auto-leveled them up. Yeah, because persuasion in this game is super important. Uh, I, I guess that's like another one of the things that the game does well is this. there's a heavy um, focus on the dialogue in this game and conversations, and your story really changes based on how you go about conversations. And so when you put points into persuasion, like you have a higher uh, chance of convincing people to do what you want. 
Yeah. And so it's uh, it makes the game more interesting and more fun. And it gets especially fun when you uh, unlock the dominate mind power as a Jedi and you get a whole bunch of new force options where you can like use the force on people's minds. Yes, you finally get to be like Obi-Wan Kenobi doing the whole these are not the droids you're looking for thing. Except for you mm-hmm. can do that on pretty much everybody and it, it feels yeah. awesome. People don't like it when they know that you're trying to do it. No, yeah. And <laughs> if you try to do it in the wrong situation, you'll like get dark side points. So your guy's always like going between light side and dark side. And uh, if you are if you're rude or mean to people in the way that you respond to them and you're just by the way you talk to people, you can get dark side points, which is kind mm-hmm. of crazy. Yeah. I had people threaten to kill me when I tried to force persuade them and it failed. <laughs> People don't like to have their minds dominated, Dan. You should know that. Yeah, well, most people don't know what's happening. One last thing that I have in this section of about being an RPG that's really accessible is that I liked that the experience points get distributed to your whole team. You don't mm-hmm. have to worry about, like, who's back on the ship and who's in my party. Your whole party levels at the same time. So even if you haven't used... Uh, the Wookiee that's back on your spaceship for the entire game, you can bring him out and he's not like a level one. He's the same level as everybody else. And that made it way more easy to manage my party um, and be able to try out different people without having to worry about wasting time or experience points. Yeah, I think we should just stop and note right now. uh, There's probably going to be some minor spoilers if you haven't played KOTOR. Um, There may be some spoiler territory. We're going to try not to spoil too much of the specific stories um but yeah this uh this one you may want to come back after you've played it <laughs> if you We're, haven't played knights of the old republic and you want to go in completely blind yeah we won't give away any of the big spoilers anything that would like made me surprised enough to text dan about it we won't mention on here but we i will say and this is a, a good transition into another point of what i thought this game does well is that the story is really good it's it's a, a star wars story mm-hmm. that feels like star wars but it's also its own thing apart from the movies and the characters that you've seen a hundred times like i've seen all the movies I've seen some of the TV shows, I've read some of the books, but this still felt like very fresh. It was definitely Star Wars in that universe, but it was nice to have like all these completely new characters that I didn't have to, um, you know, bring all my other preconceived notions along with it. Yeah, it's definitely interesting, man, how um, how much this world and this experience was able to dial into... I'm trying to think of like the variety that Star Wars has to it or something. Um, the planets, like you're on, there's a bunch of different planets. Like you end up going to Kashyyyk or as they call it in the game, Kashyyyk, which kind of Okay, thank me. you. I thought I was going insane. I was like, have I just pronounced this wrong my whole life or is every person in this game pronouncing it wrong? Well, this was made in, you know, the early 2000s. I, it may have been before like somebody officially said Kashyyyk. But I don't know. Um, so you've got like Tatooine and you've got like Kashyyyk and like you've got these other worlds uh, and they all feel like they are planets in the Star Wars universe, like even the ones that you don't really see or hear about in the movies. And they all have their own unique sort of set of quests or whatever. Uh, one of the things that I have written down is is just the variety of the worlds, each having their own unique identity. Like you go to one world and it's super political and then you go to Tatooine and you're like trying to communicate with the sand people. And it's <laughs> like, you know, you're you're going to Kashyyyk and like you're dealing with 
the Wookiees in this almost like mystical belief of this, the floor of the trees, the Shadowlands, as they call it. Um, so there's just so much here and it all feels like, I don't know, it wouldn't, none of it would be far-fetched to see as like an episode of Clone Wars or like anything in the Star Wars universe. This game doesn't really, f- it never made me go, I don't think that would be a Star Wars thing. Yeah, and the the awesome part about that is that since you are only on each world for a set period of time and then you move on to another world, that it, it helps the game not feel stale or repetitive. Because like you said, mm-hmm. each world, like there's some worlds where you're really focused on doing like puzzles or maybe another one you're trying to solve a mystery. Every planet has like its own thing and it, they felt very different and I, I loved that. It made it feel like every time you were going somewhere new, it was a completely new adventure. They could have each been their own little game uh, on a different system. Yeah, each world definitely feels like um, it adds a lot of richness to this. And I was bummed that we had to like finish this game so quickly because I really did just want to spend more time on each world and like do all the side quests and like run around. Because there's certain parts of the game where all of a sudden you can't visit previously visited areas. You'll get interrupted or things like that. And uh, I just, I was like, ah. I want to just do all the things I need to do. I want to knock out the quests in my quest log before I go do all this other stuff. And I feel like I'm missing so much because I'm rushing through it because there is like really so much in this game to begin with. Uh, as I was doing research, they they aimed for a 60-hour gameplay experience. Wow. Which was less than their like previous games, Baldur's Gates 1 and 2. Um, they were trying to like lighten the load a little bit, but like, (laughs) yeah, they were shooting for 60 hours and I feel like you could probably pretty easily get around 60 hours of gameplay if you really want to do and see everything in this game. Yeah, it's absolutely massive. And something that ties into that, which we haven't mentioned yet, is that you have the option to play through this game and choose the light side or the dark side. And every choice that you make kind of gives you light side points or dark side points. So if you go in and just like, I'm going to just murder everybody, uh, you're going to get dark side points and you're going to become a dark character. And if you go in and you try to use diplomacy and friendship, then, you know, you might get light side points, which means that you can actually play this game two times in a row and have completely different experiences. And Mm. like I played through light side, but the whole time I was thinking like, oh, man, I wonder what would be happening if I chose dark side. And uh, mm-hmm. there was definitely times where I'd pick the dark side option because it seemed faster or because I just wanted more money or something. <laughs> like there was times where I was like, I really need money to buy something. So I'm just going to go um, be a bad guy mm-hmm. for a little bit. And I did not ever max out my light side gauge because of that. But uh, it's really interesting that you have that option to play the game two times in a row and have a completely different experience. Yeah. Well, the benefit of committing one way or the other is that certain equipment will have a requirement of light side or dark side and uh force points uh dark side powers are more expensive for a light side character light side powers are more expensive for a dark side character so it helps you in the long run to play one way i think i maxed out light side and i did notice kind of a big difference a big reduction in the cost of my powers because i didn't pick any dark side powers wasn't dominate mine that wasn't a dark side power no, it was just a neutral one. Oh. Which this ties into one of my points that I've written down is like the game is really different for different people. 
like when I asked you if you had gotten a certain character, you're like, no, I didn't even find that character. Yeah. And I was like, oh, it's right here. And just the fact that you can miss it is like super interesting. Well, there's there's nine unlockable characters, right? Yes. And I missed one of them. I have no idea who I missed. Somebody with like a ponytail. There's still a silhouette on my game. I have no idea who I missed. Uh, the person you missed was on Dantooine. Okay. Wow. So she like, was, way, she way was at the another beginning. Jedi. Yeah. So like, way at the beginning. So that was like, that's one of the things where like you can't go back at certain points once the game progresses to a certain spot. Like, there's a mission where you get this stowaway on your ship, and like once you get so far through the game, if you don't resolve that mission, like you can't resolve the mission anymore. And so it's like it's so interesting the way that both you and I experience the st- the same main story, but like our experience with this game is vastly different. Yeah. Yeah. I've, and I've played some, like I've played some open world games. Like I've played breath of the wild, but even everybody who plays breath of the wild is going to basically have the same experience. Mm-hmm. You can go and do all the same things. You don't have like your different choices that shut you out of different areas of the game. And th- this one um, feels very big and very open, but the choices that you make, mean that you might experience the game a different way than somebody else who's playing it. And back to the D&D mechanics, the fact that you can play different classes also completely alters how you're going to play and interact with this game. You could be a Jedi Guardian who's like uh, somebody who's really focused on melee combat and lightsabers, or you can be uh, a Sentinel and a Consular. I picked Sentinel, which is like kind of down the middle, not not good or bad at, at... force powers or like lightsaber combat, but consular is like really good at force powers. And so based on how you want to craft your skills and play this game, how you build your character might affect the party members that you're using. And just uh, if you don't uh, have anybody with like a high security skill, you might not see certain parts of this game. And so there's like a whole a whole way of of experiencing this game that can be different literally every single time you play it almost. I totally missed all of that. I I they were explaining like what the different Jedi classes were and all I saw was, "Ooh, if I pick this one, I can get a yellow lightsaber." And so I picked that one and I have no idea uh what all of the different class things was. And then come to find out, you can change the color of your lightsaber. And it doesn't matter what class you are. So I picked some class that probably wasn't right for my play style. And then I ended up changing my lightsaber color anyway. So, uh, but I still made it through this game. So, you know, you don't have to, you can dig really into that stuff if you want to, but you don't have to. It's helpful. You said, uh, like you picked, you picked the Sentinel. What class did you pick? You picked like a scout or a scoundrel. When did I even get to pick that? I mean, it said I was a scout, but I don't know. The very beginning of the game. Oh. Like the first thing you do. I was too busy making my dude, who, by the way, I should say his name is Brogus Drawl. Brogus right. Drawl. I used the um, in-game name generator, and I was like, yeah, this sounds like, <laughs> this sounds like a Jedi Knight, Brogus Drawl. And then I gave him like the nasty Kylo mullet. And <laughs> like you're going through the game, and I'm like, I don't believe that this guy could be a, like a super awesome Jedi Knight so I, I I kind of regret not making him look more awesome or giving him a name that doesn't sound like some hillbilly from <laughs> Tatooine I don't know oh man Brogus yeah yeah 
Um, this there's so much to this game. There's there's just it's there's a lot, and I appreciate that. Um, do you have anything else? That's all. We've covered everything that I had on my list. So I have one more thing that we don't really have to get into, but that plot twist. <laughs> yeah. So we won't we won't um explain what it is because it's an awesome twist and it's a, a, a huge spoiler. So we're not gonna go there. But this story does have some stuff that will have you being like, dang, did that just happen? Or I didn't see that coming. Mm-hmm. And I texted Dan and I was like, Am I just like a total idiot or and I should have seen this coming? Or was this a really good twist? And he's like I played this game and I don't even know what the twist is you're talking about. And then I think you were surprised by the twist as well. So, um, yeah, it's the story is really good and uh, it's a it's a great twist. Yeah, it was really surprising to me too because like having played this game before, I'm like, how do I not remember like so many of the significant pieces of this story? And I think I played it at a time when I was just starting to become like a really hardcore Star Wars fan. And so I don't think I I was really like that as into Star Wars as I am now. Because I didn't grow up with Star Wars. I became a Star Wars fan later in life. But I have no idea why I don't recall the vast majority of the game. I distinctly remember playing Knights of the Old Republic 2. There's more? Yeah. Well, that's... (laughs) It's so funny. Um, This game I found like relaxing. There was something about it when I wasn't like rushing to finish it where I was like, I'm really enjoying like just being in this world, hanging out and I'm bummed that it has to end. And then I was like, oh yeah, there's a second one. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, oh man, I could take my time with that unless we play it for the show at some point. (laughs) I'm going to need a couple of years to recuperate. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I'm like, I'm excited to have more of this game just because I don't know. There's something about it. Something good. I'm glad we played this game. All right. Are you ready to move on to what this game doesn't do so well? Uh, Yes. Yes, I am. <laughs> okay. There are quite a few things, I think, on my list. So number one for me, and this could be because I was forced to play this game on the phone version. Which... I know what you're going to say. What am I going to say? Running, running underwater. <laughs> No, that was bad, and that does fall into one of the the things I'm going to talk about. But I I had a lot of trouble with the controls. I Like, clicking on the wrong thing in the middle of a battle, like accidentally looting a body when somebody is attacking me, or like clicking a door and my guy running all the way to the end of the hallway when I just wanted to fight somebody, or constantly talking to my party members on accident because they're standing in my way and I'm just trying to walk past them, but I keep clicking on them and there's nowhere to click that isn't on them. And so I don't know if that was um, the controls just in the touch version or if you had those problems as well. No, that's definitely an iOS thing. Uh, You can actually use, it, it does have controller support. I did play, I did play some of it with the controller. So there's some, like the parts where you're flying through space and you're having dogfights does not work very well on iOS. So I pulled out, I have like a Steel Series iOS controller that I've used for like five minutes total before this. And mm. uh, it really helped for that. It really helped for like the, the racing parts of the game. But it's not like comfortable to play on my phone with a controller. So I mostly just played with the touch controls. Yeah, the uh, I played both versions. I've I've put quite a few hours into uh, the the mobile version, but I did make the bulk of my playthrough on the Xbox version. 
Uh, there's also a PC version. I don't know how the mouse and keyboard stuff is, but on the Xbox controller, you can scroll through what is selectable in the world with the right and left trigger. And Ooh. so if you're like on a party member that you don't want to talk to, you just keep scrolling. It also helps you see like foot lockers or like remains on the ground or like stuff that you can find that you might have missed because it's like anything that is in the the near so when you click on something your character if you're not close enough to it your character will run up to it yeah and do the action that you uh chose and so when you're like scrolling through the items with the triggers on the xbox controller it also looks at anything that you could potentially interact with so it's super helpful to be able to do that the ios version did drive me crazy just like clicking on the wrong things or like not being able to unlock a door. Cause like my security character is not my main character, but I walked up to the door with my main character. And so now I'm trying to tap on the door, but I'm tapping on the main character instead. And it's like, stop, just stop. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the touch controls while they're fine, they can be really frustrating. One of the things that the iOS version does have that the Xbox version doesn't is an auto run feature, which can be really nice. What is, what is that? You just swipe up and he keeps running forward. Oh, never found that out. Yep. Just, you just got to look in the options. Well, I would, that would have taken away minutes from my <laughs> game. And I would have saved which me even, so much time. Even that's bittersweet because like sometimes you want him to stop running or you want him to turn in a weird way and he just keeps like running some way that you don't want him to or like I don't know. There were there were definitely some things that weren't I don't think just because I was playing on iOS there were some things that were a little bit glitchy in this game and I think it's just from it being an older game that was very ambitious. But there was times when like I mentioned getting trapped by your party members who won't move or um, getting to a door and like trying to go on to another part of the level, but you realize you can't enter because you lost a party member who got stuck a half mm. mile back on a rock. And now <laughs> you have to go back and get him and walk all that way again. Or I'm trying to defuse a mine and I click on the mine and say, go defuse it. And my guy sprints up to it instead of walking yep. slowly and the mine explodes <laughs> and kills me. Uh, yeah. There was, there was also some times where the glitches helped me. Like, I would have power-ups get stuck on permanently. Like, I would use my force speed really? thing. Yeah. Like, I'd be using the speed running thing, and it's supposed to only last for 36 seconds or whatever, but it would last permanently. And it would even last through cutscenes, which is really funny. There's a scene mm. where, like, I'm in the Sith Temple or whatever, uh, Academy, and me and, like, the leader of the Academy are supposed to be go running out of the room. And my guy had the Master Jedi speed or whatever. And so my mm. guy sprints out way ahead of the other guy, even in the cutscene. And I was like, oh, that's kind of funny. But there was definitely some, like, weird little glitchy things in this game. Man, I wish I had that Master Jedi speed. I didn't realize till later on how valuable it was. Because, like, once you get the Master speed, you get three attacks per turn. Yeah, And see, that would have made my life a lot easier. That's what it said. But I... Didn't realize that that meant, like, the normal attacks. And I was always using, like, the powered-up attacks until, like, the very end. And then I was like, oh, my gosh, I could have been mm -hmm. doing so much more. I just never really... The the combat system is so... Uh, there's so much depth to it that you can do whole, so much stuff. And I never really, like, grasped it. I just kind of found out, this works, so I'm going to keep doing this thing. Especially mm -hmm. when I had, like, 
I could choose the party that I wanted and I could just have a couple guys stand back and blast everybody and then I would go lightsaber everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I kind of never got the the hang of all of, you know, taking full advantage of what the battle system had to offer. Yeah, well, that's Dungeons and Dragons again. Like, that's just part of the cool thing. Like, you can pause in the middle of combat uh, to do whatever you need to do uh, to direct your party members to attack. And then you want this guy to heal at this moment. And then you want your character to like power attack or whatever. But yeah, I, at the end of the game specifically, which I don't know if we're, I mean, there's, I have a point, uh, and we'll try to keep it spoiler free, but the difficulty spikes a lot at the very end of the game. Yeah. Like I felt like at the very end of the game, I was fighting and this is an exaggeration, but I felt like literally the the last mission I fought as many guys as I did in the entire experience before that. It just keeps throwing guys at you and it's just like, whoa. And then I discovered the master speed thing and I'm like, man, if I would have leveled my character correctly, this would be much, much easier. When my party members die and I'm the only one left and I'm like running away, like slowly med packing myself as I get some distance between myself and enemies. Like <laughs> That's too real. I'm having flashbacks when you're saying that sprinting away and trying to get far enough away that I can med pack myself for like 5% of my health. It's like, oh, sweet. And it, there's an element of like monster closets too to it. I don't know if they're actual monster closets, but like, oh, I beat this wave of guys. And then like, I've got a, I've got like 10 seconds where I'm like trying to heal up and let my force points replenish. And then a whole nother group like runs through the door yep. that I'm not even like standing in front. I'm like, oh no. So you got to time your, your saves appropriately too in the last mission. And it's just, it's a whole thing, man. And I'm like, well, if I would have known what I was doing or known what to expect, maybe I would have specced my characters a little bit differently. But that last mission and the difficulty spike really... I don't want to say it left me with a bad taste in my mouth, but it definitely was, wasn't was a happy ending to the game for me. I was frustrated finishing this one. Man, you got to be prepared. You can cakewalk through uh, a portion of this game, but if you're not allocating your skills and stuff well, you're going to get to that last mission and you're going to have a rough time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Kind of tying into that, something that I had of what the game does poorly is I didn't... I had some problems with the battle system because you're not actually controlling the fighting. It's not like a, you know, you're you're shooting a gun or you're swinging the lightsaber, mm. but it's not fully turn-based, so I never felt like I was in complete control of what was happening. Like you're you're trying to pause it and you're trying to move around between your three guys and and make sure that this guy is shooting who you want and this guy's attacking and this guy's healing. Um and you can actually, they have these things called scripts where you can say, like, this guy is going to be a support character and this guy is going to be um, attacking and this guy is going to throw grenades, which helps a little bit, but I still never felt like I had complete control. And sometimes I would be in the thick of a battle and I'd realize one of my guys, like, ran off and secluded himself and now he's getting murdered and I have no way to save him. And I felt like I would have liked a little bit more control over the the battle system so that I felt like I was more powerful or coordinated between my party. So the weird thing about the battle system, I feel like you're like half right. It's like half, it it is turn-based. All the animations and everything are just a front for the dice rolls. Yeah. There's like so many seconds. I think a, a turn is like three seconds or something like that. They're not like this guy takes a turn and then this guy takes a turn. It's everybody is taking their turns in three second increments. You have three seconds mm-hmm. where you're attacking and then three seconds where you're 
defending. But if there's like 15 guys on screen, they're all doing that and it's going to be all overlapped and it -hmm. can be really hard to keep track of what's like when it's your turn and when it's their turn and all that. Yeah. I feel like some of that, maybe there's like 15 guys on screen or whatever, but like some of that is the chaos of D and D. Like if you were really in that fight in Dungeons and Dragons, like what are you going to do? You know what I'm saying? It's, and it's, it's kind of, you do have to be more uh, militant about pausing the game and keeping track and using all of your 47 med packs to stay alive and watching the scoundrel that you brought along as a mistake <laughs> instead of a soldier. <laughs> um, but I, I, yeah, there's, there is something I, I agree, but I don't at the same time. Like what you're saying makes sense. But the way that the game's designed also makes sense. Yeah. But it's also kind of easy to exploit and break in certain areas where you can run away and sort of break lines of sight. And sometimes you can get guys to stop chasing you. Like there's one one part where you have to fight like a bunch of guys and a bunch of rancors. Yeah. <laughs> and I kited the rancors like basically almost to the entrance. And then I went through a room and they couldn't figure out the collision on the terrain or something like that. And I was trying to like set mines for these rancors to run over, but they like couldn't get around this one room. And so I was able to like fight these rancors one at a time because they couldn't see me. Uh, So there's all this, there's a weird way to exploit the game, but sometimes it does feel like hard to control when things get chaotic. Cause it's just, you're kind you're trying to keep track of three different characters at a time. And if you need one of them to heal everybody and one of them's too dumb to ever heal themselves or, like I get well do do non Jedi characters ever heal themselves? Uh, I don't know. I, I, like I'm saying I I was I felt like I was always having to be in control of everything that was happening. Yeah, well, like if you set up, like I I rolled with Jolie a lot, and he's got like force heal, and once I set his script to be like a, a Jedi character, he would use his heal ability on his own and timely. But. If you're if you're not using a character like that, or you don't have another Jedi, like you have to keep on top of med packs in the middle of certain fights and like keep track of everything, and it it can be a lot. Yeah. Uh, but I I don't know what I would change about it, and I guess they they probably refined it a little bit in future iterations of these kinds of games, Dragon Age and. And uh, the second Knights of the Old Republic, which wasn't actually Bioware, but Obsidian. I haven't played that game in a really long time, so I don't know what all the differences are. But I don't know what I would tweak about the way that everything is set up, other than maybe making the AI less dumb. Or like, hey, I ran away from a guy, but because it's turn-based, you hit me even though I'm literally out of distance. Uh, I don't know if I would make it more of an action RPG or not. No, I don't know that there's a way to make it better. But just as this being my first experience with this kind of battle system, I definitely didn't learn all of the tricks. Like I, I you're saying like, oh, pause the game and do all this stuff. And I was like, oh, I don't think I ever paused the game. I kind of just, <laughs> which definitely contributed to the chaos and me not feeling like I was on top of things. So that would have definitely helped. Yeah, that's one of the nice features about this game. I And I feel like the first time I played through it, like before I really knew what this game was, like I feel like I hardly ever paused it. But now I'm starting to appreciate that a lot more of like, 
okay, I can I can take my time with these fights and I can single out this guy and do this and like oh now that I know that this character gets a significant damage boost. I th- I want to say like mission had like a 9 to 54 or like 12 to 72 point uh additional damage to stunned guys. Oh my gosh. So like she's doing damage and then once she level once you level her up, she gets like sneak attack and every level of sneak attack if you attack an enemy and they're unaware or they're just incapacitated, like she gets a ton of bonus damage. Holy cow. Yeah. Yeah. It, not it, so that. it's one of those things where I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to try to do this, <laughs> whatever this group stun. Cause the, the highest level of stun you like group every, or you stun everybody in the area. And so when you do that and then you switch over to her and you make her aim specifically at somebody that's stunned, like you can tackle these fights a little more effectively, but it's just, you have to, pause the game and think strategically because I don't think the game is really doing a whole lot of that for you all the time. My last thing that I have of what the game didn't do so well is that I felt like the game kind of started off slow. I was stuck on the first planet forever and it was my least favorite one. I don't know if it's because I didn't know what was going on, but it does seem like it was like the least exciting world. It's kind of just like this grimy city that you're in for a long time and a long time, you like, mean nine hours? Yeah, okay. So Nine hours is how long it took me to get off the first planet. I really enjoyed the rest of this game, but at the beginning, I was like, oh my goodness, I could not get off this world faster. Yeah, uh, and it was, <laughs> when I started this game, I was like doing the completionist kind of thing. So I was like doing all of the side quests. Like the first, the starter world, I did everything. Uh, <laughs> and so... Maybe you could get off of it faster than nine hours if you just, you know, the main path and kind of like go straight through. But yeah, that first world, uh, and it's not, it's not like it's a bad world, but it slightly does overstay its welcome. It's like, I almost wish they would have broken up the first two planets into, or they would have compressed the first two planets, uh, into the first planet, if that makes sense. Like the time you spend on the first, second planet, should have been the time that you spend. I don't know what I'm trying to say. You know what I mean. It should have taken <laughs> nine hours to get through the first two planets instead of getting the, through the first one. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I think that would have helped a lot because you get to that second planet and it feels so different from what you've been doing. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, oh, okay, this is Star Wars, like where every location is really different. And it felt awesome to be out of crawling around through like the sewers and this grimy city. Um, mm. so yeah, it was, I agree. Yeah. I have a couple more points. Uh, the, and I don't know this one, I don't know if it's, um, Xbox one specific or, or what, or it's like an emulation issue, but I ran into like a few weird bugs that weren't the ones that you mentioned. Cause I totally get the ones, I totally get the ones that you mentioned that were like, I couldn't, uh, my character got trapped in a corner because he's surrounded by his party members, you can't run through them. Like weird stuff like that. But there was one. There's one quest where it's like these guys will show up if you, if you unequip your weapons. Yeah. Okay. That's a cool quest. And then they show up, and then when you try to reequip your weapons, like I was only able to put weapons on two out of my three characters. Oh. So I was like out a party, and it just wouldn't. It just wouldn't work for some reason. I'm like, that's what. And then as soon as the fight was over, it it let me equip a weapon on the character weird another thing that happened was like 
there were some 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 brigands in a in a in a uh, I think it's I don't know if it was a cantina and they were trying to bully me and I was like I used the force on them to like make them run away. Yeah. And the screen faded to black and it never stopped and just never faded back. Just I- I had that happen a few times where, like, I went to a cut scene and it would get stuck in an infinite loop of this person saying the same thing over and over again and getting quieter and quieter. Mm-hmm. And I just had to restart the game and hope that I had an autosave that had happened recently. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, there's some there's some weird, weird bugs in this one that you will occasionally run into that may save often is, I think, the advice on this one. Yeah. Like every five minutes. When it comes... use all, all of your save slots. Yeah. And make sure you're saving to a save slot because sometimes your quick save gets overwritten by an autosave and then you hit continue after dying and it loads you up to about a second before you died, which happened to me several times, which meant that I had to go back to my re- most recent save slot, which might have been 20 minutes ago or in one case, an hour ago. So the nice thing, uh, the quick save feature on iOS is nice, but it's only on iOS. Oh. Uh, that's not on the Xbox version. I don't think it's in the PC version. I could be wrong. But yeah, in, on the Xbox version, you're always manually saving your games. And then there's an auto save slot. So you have gotcha. six manuals, manual save slots, one auto save. Uh, and using all of those, I was I basically the first three were at significant parts of the story. Where I was like, if I want to go back to this part, then, you know, like when you're about to get off the first planet, I made a save there and like stuff like that. But the last three slots were, okay, here's right before this encounter. Here's maybe like in the middle of this encounter and here's like a few minutes after the encounter. So if I wanted to go back and redo a fight with a character and say different options or use less items you know, if you like you waste a bunch of resources in a fight that you didn't know what you were doing, like maybe you can do it more effectively and all that stuff. So the save system, <laughs> use it or, or, you, or you're going to lose some progress in this one. Absolutely. Uh, the, the next, I, I have a few things written down and they're all kind of UI sort of like quality of life or sort of weird things uh one of the things is like when you have buffs they only show up as an arrow on your character's portrait yeah so So you never know yeah you don't know what you've got and you don't know like if you have a strength buff on and you use a different kind of strength buff it doesn't give you more strength it's just one thing but if you then do like a a dexterity buff you get like a second arrow. And then if you get like a buff from like a fellow Jedi character, it's like a third arrow, but you have no idea what it doesn't help you. I don't know, interact with the world more effectively when you don't know, like, Oh, I've got extra stamina so I can take a little more damage or whatever it is. See, you played the game so different than I did. I, I never, I never even like once used the stimulants or, like the buffs. Like sometimes my uh, party characters would throw a buff at me and I'd be like, oh, cool. But uh, I was just like running through and killing guys. See, for me, that was more of an end game thing or like when the difficulty would spike, I would use these buffs to like get a, more, a little bit more strength. Or it was, I, I think it was primarily the the very last mission where I was using those, where I was like swamped by like, I don't know, eight guys at a time. Yeah. 
And so I was like, I got to do something because I, I was literally just dying. So to prevent myself from dying, I was like trying to like, okay, how can I do this? I had, I probably had a hundred grenades in my inventory by the end of the game. Oh yeah. Cause I like never used them. But at the, in the last mission I started using more grenades. Yeah. Every now and then I'd have somebody set as a grenadier, but more often than not, they would end up blowing up my own party. So I would turn that off. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had somebody, t- I, I had a uh, mission in the last mission. Uh, <laughs> There's a character uh, set- whose name is mission. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Not confused uh, I had, I had her set as a grenadier and she didn't seem to do her job very well. So I don't know if they protect your party. I don't, or I don't know, man. It just, it was bad. It's bad. Yeah. Um, the other like things that I have kind of have to do with like the map system. Like the mini map is kind of wonky. It's hard to tell like what direction you're facing. It doesn't show a lot of the area. Yeah. And so you're constantly pulling up your bigger map to make sure you're like headed in the right direction, uh, which goes to my next point. Like the map system is kind of weak in this game. Like one of the features that it's sorely lacking is the ability to see uh, all of the areas at the same time. Like how they, like you can see what area you're in and it'll, it'll pop up dots that show you significant areas on the map. Um, Like, oh, you're on the South beach and here's a dot to the North beach but you can't see how the South beach connects to the North beach. And so if you're looking for something specific or trying to get back to an area, like on the second planet, like there's a bunch of fields that connect to each other. And you're like, where was that one thing I was supposed to find? And because you can't scroll through the maps of the different area or see an overview, it sometimes you can waste time trying to find the, the two properties that you're looking for or whatever. And then to to further that a little bit of frustration is the the fast travel system in this is kind of uh there's no there's there really isn't fast travel some areas will let you fast travel back to your ship to heal up but sometimes that feature is disabled and so traversing around this game is a bit harder than it probably needed to be which i don't know what games were like at the time but I feel like this map system led to some of uh, some of my time wasted and some of my frustration that I felt with some things in this game. Yeah, I definitely felt the same way about a lot of those things. Uh, the last thing that I made a joke about the the running underwater on one of the planets. <laughs> <laughs> you get Ooh. these space suits or these underwater suits, and your character all of a sudden runs at like twenty five percent speed. And the audio stops making sense. You're like underwater and he's going clunk, 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 every step. And it gets super annoying and the animation's kind of funny. I don't know. Once you can finally click on an object, like if you can see a door and you can click on it, then all of a sudden your dude starts actually running underwater and it's so much faster. But until you can find something to click on, you're taking like little half baby steps and (laughs) making just an ungodly racket. Yeah, it's complete silliness. But anyways, that uh, that that wraps it up for what I have with the game. I don't think does it the things that I don't think the game does so well. Do you have anything else? Nope, that's all for me. All right then. What uh burritos, Jordan? Oh, see this is tough because this is a 
this was a long game, and you get your money's worth. I think that I paid five dollars for it on the app yeah. store. <laughs> but uh, so more specifically, what would you for the people who don't understand what burritos means? <laughs> what would you pay for this game, Jordan? Or uh, how many trips to Qdoba would you give up to to have the experience you just had? Yeah. Um, so this one, like, I feel like I don't need, I don't need the crutch of having to, um, relate this to burritos because this is Mm. so much more of a normal gaming experience that I'm used to. Yeah. A lot of times it's like these retro games. It's like, do I really want to spend money on a game that's only an hour or two hours long and I'm maybe not going to play, but this one was definitely more of a, a normal gaming experience. You get a lot of hours out of it. And so then I don't have as much of a problem spending money on it. Um, I feel like the amount of time and fun that I had with it, I would, I feel like 15 to $20 is the good Mm -hmm. range. Now, if this was like a game that came out today and it was like more polished and, um, like if I had this game on the switch, I would have enjoyed it so much more. Like if this game came Mm -hmm. out on the switch, I would have no problem dropping 20 bucks on it. Definitely would not feel that way. Dropping $20 on a mobile game because I really don't enjoy playing games on my phone. Yeah, I think I tend to agree with you. I f- I'm leaving this one feeling positive about it. Uh, there's a lot there. I want to experience the other. I want to experience like a dark side playthrough. Yeah. Which is it's really hard to do, by the way, because it just rips your soul out to be a jerk to everybody. Yeah. You spend your whole life playing games where like they give you dialogue options but like you really don't have a choice. Like no matter what you say, it's going to go down the one path. I'm thinking of like mm. every Pokemon game ever. They always give you two dialogue options and they both take you the exact same place. And so yeah. you get like conditioned to always picking like, just say something nice because um, it's going to take you to the thing anyway. There's no point in being rude to somebody. And in this game, like you walk in and there's always like four options. And the first one will be like super nice. The second one will be like a little bit more guarded. The third one's like leaning towards evil. And then the last one is just like being a complete jerk. And it's like kind of hard to go and just pick the complete jerk one. Unless I feel like if you like decided you were going to do that and you realized it Mm -hmm. was like you were doing it on purpose, I feel like I feel like I could, it would be a lot of fun, but you're right. Like just after playing a lot of normal video games and then coming into this, it, it felt very strange to want to pick the, the evil options. Yeah. Especially because you get rewarded sometimes for it, like with extra credits or like you yeah. complete a quest for somebody and they're like, you can demand more of a reward from them. And see, I would do just... that. And it didn't always give you dark side points, like especially early on when you need credits. Like credits in the later game are just a joke that they throw at you and there's nothing that you can even like spend them on at that point because you have everything that you've picked off of dead bodies of powerful people. But early on in the game, like you desperately need credits, especially if uh, you're like me and it takes you five hours to find out that there's a hospital that'll heal you for free and you're like constantly buying med packs. Like credits early on, uh, I would be a jerk to somebody to get more credits. Uh, credits were not in abundance for me. One for well, I didn't never did any swoop racing. I never tried to make credits, but like the really high end gear that you can buy on like the Yavin station or like there's a merchant uh, on Korriban that sells like really expensive stuff. It's like twenty two thousand credits for like the really really good stuff. Yeah, but it wasn't even like really that good. And I had, some of it was. I got pretty good. There's all these mini games. There's like the swoop bike racing, which I got decent at and then there's like this card game Pazak or Pazak or I don't even know 
I was terrible at that. I was so incredibly bad at it. I lost so much money and I just gave up on playing that. See, that's another thing where I would like, and we're we're gonna rein this back into to how much I would pay for this game. Like, I when I started this experience, I was like, I want to take my time. I want to like play Pazak and like just live in the world for a little bit because like I think it was kind of fun. And you find like merchants who sell the cards and stuff like that other other places, and you're like, oh, the plus two minus two must be worth a little bit more because it's more expensive in the store. And like, I just I don't know. I wanted to live in the world a little bit more. So uh, <laughs> I guess what I would pay for the experience is probably similar to you where I feel like it, it falls into that 15 to $20 range where you can get so much out of this. It would probably be worth a lot more if it was a more modern experience with yeah. a, like a better map system and just better refinements. Like, I don't know, not getting trapped by your party in a corner. <laughs> like, yeah stuff like that but it's it's still such a uh uh a worthwhile gameplay experience in my opinion that it's it's still for for a game that came out in 2003 on the original xbox 15 dollars is really not not a bad price for it no not at all so uh what do you what do you think this one's going for then uh like for an xbox copy of it Mm mm-hmm Oh, I can't imagine. Like, it's, this is like the newest game we've played, I think, right? 2003. Yeah, not counting the Streets of Rage 4 bonus episode. but Check out that bonus (laughs) episode. Yeah, but as far as retro games go, like, this is, like, on the fringe, you know, they say Mm -hmm. retro is 15 years. So this is just, you know, it's just becoming retro. It's on Mm -hmm. a, a disc. It's Xbox. I feel like, there's a whole lot going against this. Like you could probably go into a used game store and pick this up for five dollars. I'm sure. No, not a complete copy. Which okay, well, which we of find course a you, loose you would, disc. Right, exactly. Uh, so the price starting one on this is about fourteen dollars. Whoa. Okay. Um, you can get a platinum hits version of it for like a little bit cheaper, which is kind of like you know the silver case, and yeah, it's the. But yeah, eleven to fifteen is kind of where this one lands. Okay, and of course the PAL version goes for about eighteen dollars. It's got to be course. a little more. It's got to be. It's got to be more expensive because it's the PAL version. Yeah, you know, and why not? <laughs> uh, but this one also available a lot of places digitally. On the Xbox Store, you can pick it up for ten dollars. On Steam, you can pick it up for ten dollars. There you go. iOS ten dollars. And on Steam, it goes on sale for like less than four dollars. I want to say fairly often. So you can play this game for pretty cheap. And I want to say the Xbox digital version. I want. I swear I saw that for like three or four dollars sometime in the last like few months. So you can definitely get this game for cheap, and you absolutely should. Yeah, I'm gonna agree with that. I'm gonna say at all of those prices, this game is worth it. Uh, yep. If you're going to get it on mobile, if you want to play it on your phone, I would wait for one of those $5 sales. Um, yeah, just that's me personally. If you're a person who loves playing mobile games and you don't have a problem with that and spend 10 bucks on it, that's fine. I I personally mm-hmm. am not a huge fan of mobile games, but uh, this one is definitely worth it at $5. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I don't know. Maybe the controller experience is the way to go on mobile if you can 
like make that happen because uh, at least the iphone is compatible with the xbox one and ps4 controllers now right i don't know i have like a steel series nimbus yeah so i mean you probably have a controller that you can use i don't know about the android what that whole deal is but i know on ios you can use controllers so it might be the way to go if you're going to play the mobile version um but yeah this one's worth it yep i agree worth it all right well since we don't have trivia i suppose we can move on to our bounty segment jordan yes this is our our brand new segment that we introduced in the last episode not in the streets of rage bonus episode but in our perfect dark episode we introduced a new segment of bounties where we are asking you guys questions and if you think you know the answer you can submit it to us and win a really cool prize why don't you tell us about that bounty for this month of may dan all right, so this month you can win a $50 Switch eShop gift card if you know the answer to the following. Uh, there are two games that we make fun of on the show a lot. One of them is actually a franchise, while the other one is a specific entry in a franchise. Send us a message, DM probably on Twitter or Instagram, at WIOW Podcast, with the name of either thing, and we will pick a random winner from the people who get it right. Uh, and you could win something very cool. Yes. You don't have to know both parts of the question. You only have to get one part of it right to be entered into the drawing. And we've had a few people reach out to us with the the correct answer. We had a few people reach out to us with the wrong answers, which we Mm. can talk about next time. It was kind of funny to see what people thought were the games that we hated. Um, But a bunch of you have gotten it correct. But if you're interested in winning a $50 eShop card, you should know that there are currently, I think, eight or nine correct answers. So if you get that answer and you have a really good chance of adding $50 to your eShop credit and you could buy some sweet games. So if you think you know which game or which franchise we make fun of a lot on this show, and if you've heard a few episodes, it's probably pretty obvious, send us a message Mm -hmm. on Twitter or Instagram, or you can email us at worthitorworthlesspodcast at gmail.com with either one of those answers and you will be entered into the drawing. We're going to have the cutoff be on the last day of May. So get your answers in before May is over. And then in June, we'll have a new question with a new bounty. Yeah. The next episode is going to be June 9th. Uh, and it is going to be, uh, our desert Island Sega Genesis games. Ooh. Um, but on that episode, we will announce the winner and then the new bounty and everything. Um, yeah, the the next episode is Sega Genesis themed. The whole month of June, I'm calling it Sega Genesis. Ooh, which kind of a good pun. Just, it's it's I know it's terrible, but in my brain, it's Sega Genesis. Um, we've been locked up for a while in quarantine because of this whole coronavirus thing, and so we haven't really been able to play any Genesis games lately. And so I just want to take the month of June to focus on Genesis a little bit. So Genesis does. Did you know that, Dan, that Genesis does? It does. Well, Nintendo also does. Genesis does. That's that's enough of that. It was funny. Um, you put, you made a post that of some kind of ad where it was like, you'll grow old waiting for somebody to top the, what was it, Sega CD? Sega CD, yeah. Like, yeah, this is the final console of all time. Nobody's ever going to beat this. I was like, are you kidding me? Yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> I liked that we included in the caption there that they stopped advertising for the Sega CD about a year after it launched. So, uh, rip, rip the Sega yeah. CD. Yeah. 
All right, Jordan, uh, where can people hang out with us? You can find us on Twitter or Instagram, like we've already mentioned. Just search for at W-I-O-W podcast. We post lots of cool stuff, ads and commercials, and it's not just stuff about the podcast. It's mostly just retro game stuff. So jump on there, talk about retro games with us, and uh, have a good time. Yeah, and if you are enjoying the show, please leave us a review or let your friends know about it. Uh, we really appreciate the reviews. They make our lives a lot better. <laughs> I always, I'm always excited when I see that we got a new review and I send it to Jordan and it's just like, it makes our day. And so we appreciate that. Yes. It brings a little bit of joy to our lives. All right, guys. Uh, so moving on to our music segment, uh, we have a, an interesting song today. It's from our, uh, our, our co-host here, Jordan. Oh, oh my <laughs> oh my. So uh I've I've dabbled in some chiptune. Uh I actually put out a a really bad iOS game in 2014 and I did all the music for the game and the music was not the bad part. I thought the music was pretty good. So I've dabbled in some chiptune and then uh Dan and I have actually created a few little games uh just for fun and I did the music for those too. What what song are you are you playing, Dan? Uh this is Zombie One. From uh, all my friends are dead and now they want to eat me, our yes. little uh, our our contra style prototype game that yes. we should probably revisit and polish up at some point. It was basically, maybe you guys will see it someday. Maybe yeah, it's basically like a little contra game where my wife is jumping around and shooting zombies with a shotgun. Mm-hmm. And uh, this song it's not really a song; it's more of like a, a backing track for the level. And you will hear that it is inspired heavily by the Lavender Town song from the original Pokemon. That's kind of where I was I was going with this. So, uh, yeah, I think that's all that I have to say. To, that's all that I remember about it, so I don't really have more to say about it. Either way, I think it's pretty good. I hope that you guys enjoy it. And I hope you hate it. <laughs> no, if you guys enjoy it, reach out to Jordan, because after I hear, like, I heard some new chip tunes from him today for the first time, and I was like, why are you not doing more of this? <laughs> they weren't new. They're from 2014. Anybody who they wants to hear to them, me. you can go on Spotify or wherever you listen to music. Look up Jordan Dean Baker. That's what my stuff is under. And you can find my chip tune album from 2014. It's good. It's good. He needs to do more of it. So let's encourage Jordan to make more music. I have time for one hobby, Dan, and it's this. <laughs> Hanging out with your friend Dan. Yep. All right, I think that that is probably going to wrap it up unless you got anything else. I think that's going to do it for today. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. We will see you next time. Bye. Bye.